Hello there and welcome to this week's edition of Loons Weekly. Callum Williams alongside former golfers midfielder Kindred D. St. Aubin. And we've got a lot to talk about this week. Minnesota United 2-2 two and two, heading into match week five for the Loons at New York Red Bulls. We'll feature the next opponent for Minnesota United later on in the podcast. But first, Kindra, a 2-1 defeat away at New England Revolution. You and I were fortunate enough to have a chat with Brad Friedel, the head coach of the Revolution. On Friday evening, we'll, we'll get to some of the really intriguing things he told us a little later on. But first of all, your overall thoughts on what we saw last weekend. Honestly, I think I said this word post-game, and I think it really just rings true to me again, is disappointing. It was a disappointing result, a disappointing performance from Minnesota United because we know what they are capable of. We know the glimpses we've seen. We know the changes that have been made to the roster. And what's crazy is in the, in the second half in particular, it seemed a little bit like what Brad Friedel was feeling with his side. If the least you're asking of a club and, and professionals is to give effort and have a high work rate, just didn't see it in the second half. So, of course, tactically you can say some things or maybe who is available or not available off the bench. I mean, there's always those um, those things tactically that we can discuss, but just overall, like it just felt like the effort, the energy wasn't there in the second half from Minnesota United and Sometimes that's more than half the battle is just showing up to play. The first half, I thought they, you know, matched the energy of New England Revolution that we knew that they were going to come out with because they had been kind of under the gun all week. Um, and then, you know, go in half halftime 1-1, and there were some offensive opportunities for Minnesota in the first half, but the second half just, just left a lot to be desired and was really disappointed to get on that plane and come home after that game. Brad Friedel questioned his side's desire during the week and said a lot more as well, which we probably can't repeat yeah. on a podcast. Um, did he get what he wanted? Obviously, he got the results, but from a performance point of view, what was that enough to convince him as a head coach that he's got enough moving forward? Well, I think it's enough to convince him that his team is going to work hard if he lays into them all week. Right. I mean, I think we could all be honest and say that the roster isn't where he wants it to be. I mean, and I don't think he'll ever say that. He'll never, you know throw his roster or his team under the bus publicly by any means because he understands that these are all professionals and they're there for a reason. But it's more not his roster in the sense that he's taken over another club, somebody else's roster, somebody else's idea, somebody else's style, and you're trying to implement your style with players that maybe don't necessarily suit it. So he's to slowly, you know, but surely changing the culture and changing some of the players and getting some pieces in. I mean, I think I was very impressed with Carlos Heel. Yes. I thought he did exactly what we expected him to do. And we can see why Brad Friedel is so high on him and why he brought him in. Um, but, yeah, it's going to take some time to, um, you know, get it the way he wants it. And I think ultimately it didn't matter how they won that game. It was all about the result. And that's exactly what they got. Glad you brought up Carlos Hill because it's somebody I wanted to chat about as well. And um, I would counter-argue slightly in saying I was a little surprised with Carlos Hill's role because we, we've seen him in the first three Revolution games operating as a number 10 for a little while. In the Dallas game, he, he operated out wide as well. Mm -hmm. um, a, a, an inverted winger more than a, a traditional winger, but nevertheless. I was surprised that he gave him, essentially, I remember saying on the commentary, the, the freedom of Gillette Stadium. Yep. He allowed him to roam just about anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, he was covered supremely well by Scott Caldwell, who I thought had a tremendous game. But my biggest issue from a Minnesota United point of view was with this game was, and I said this on the Sound of the Loons podcast yesterday as well, that so much, too much space mm -hmm. was given to Carlos Hill. If you look at the, the first goal, 
the delivery that came in mm -hmm. was from Carlos Hill. Mm -hmm. And if you freeze it, just before he delivers, he has acres of space around him. Yep. In the second half, it was his ball through to Teal Bunbury, who then played it across for Brandon Bay to score. Yep. Yep. If, if I am Ozzy Alonso, if I am Jan Gregus, mm -hmm. and I know that that is their main playmaker and he's operating near me in the centre of the park, I'm giving him a good kick in. Mm -hmm. I'm letting him know that I'm there. I'm making it as uncomfortable as possible for him. And I don't think Minnesota United were nasty enough at uh, Gillette Stadium last weekend. And for me, I was very surprised because we've seen so many years of Ozzy Alonso being a right nasty bugger in the centre of midfields. Mm -hmm. And to very good effect. And I, I just think this isn't the first time that we've said there's been a little issue in the centre of midfield for Minnesota United. Remember we said it against the Galaxy as well. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, you watched training today. I was otherwise preoccupied with an interview. But is that something that the coaching staff will address moving forward heading into Red Bull Arena? Well, I think it's it's... It's a tough task for Adrian Heath in the sense that trying to focus on yourself and make make yourself the key without changing too much what you're doing for the opponent. But as the game goes on and it may change or dictate what you want to do. And I felt that way with the New England game. Like he went into that game, Adrian Heath, saying, we're going to focus on what we need to do, not so much on what they're going to do. But as Carlos Heel continued to get on the ball, continue to find space, whether he was coming all the way back between his two center backs to receive the right. ball and, and start play or finding some space in the middle of the park or even just outside the 18, which he was receiving the ball quite a few times as you talk about these balls that he's playing out wide or in over the top. You would think that what, what Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregos would do to counter that would, would change. Would, mm. They would adapt to what Carlos Heel has been able to do. Because maybe in the tape, that's not what they saw him do, as you just said, against Dallas and others. Sure. So this week in training, and, and particularly, let's talk about today, there was an intensity about it. And I think rightfully so from Adrian Heath. He was not pleased with the performance of the New England Revolution. He wasn't pleased with the effort that was put in in the second half. I don't think he felt good. And, and he didn't say this to me directly, but I, I can't imagine he felt good about the play from the midfield. What I have a really hard time with when we say that we lose the midfield battle in games, whether it's this year with the Galaxy and this year with New England, or whether it was times past, and I know we have different midfielders now, is how much work they're having to put in because of shortcomings in other areas mm -hmm. in that match. How much out of position are Jan and Ozzy getting pulled because of the ball turning over constantly up top? The second you get possession, you go forward, the ball's coming right back at you. Right. Or a turnover out of the back, so you're not being, you know what I mean? So it's always a battle to me, the chicken or the egg, the domino effect with losing the midfield battle in certain games and how much is it that they are just getting so pulled out of whack, those two centrally, that they're having to compensate for mistakes in other areas of the game that aren't up to par in that particular match. Does that make any sense at no, all, what uh, I'm saying? No, absolutely. And also the other thing as well, which I noticed, and again, a lot of people I saw were very frustrated with this, including the coaching staff, was Darwin Quintero's positioning as well, because there were several times he was way too high. Yep. And we mentioned Carlos Hill dropping. Yes. When he dropped really deep, yep. that was the area, at least positionally, where Darwin, Darwin Quintero should be. Yes. And there were no challenges anywhere near him at yep. all. So I think moving into the game at Red Bull Arena, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the three in the center, and I know Darwin doesn't necessarily drop, he's 
pushing high, he's supposed yeah. to. I, I just think it, it's an area of, of real intrigue, but an obvious issue in the central midfield right now as well. Yep. I do, and I think it's it's a little disappointing and frustrating because there are so many high expectations with Jan Gregush and Ozzy Alonso, and especially Ozzy being a veteran of this league and just the reputation that he has to really run the show and get things under control and know when to speed the game up, know when to slow the game down, and know tactically where he needs to be and what the most dangerous player is on the opposing team. Mm. I think he is so good at that, is just knowing like who he needs to kind of take out of the equation, whether that's physically or even mentally, to eliminate the opposition's attack. And we didn't see that in New England. And it was a little shocking because with players like that, and even with an Ike Parra just behind him, you expect them to kind of grab the game by the scruff of the neck, whether that's you know more likely defensively with those couple players, and, and get a hold of it. And we didn't see that. And I just, I have a hard time just, you know, specifically pointing the blame all on the two central midfielders just because of what goes on around them and what they're covering for. And it'd be interesting to talk to Ozzy off record and ask him what he saw mm. in that game because I do think he reads it so well. And even after now, he's had time to think about it and rewatch it. Maybe what, you know, what was his take on how things were going. And Darwin is a tough challenge because you want him to stay high when it's on the attack. Adrian mm. gets frustrated when he would drop too deep to receive the ball. But then he's got to know when he needs to drop deep deeper, I should say, and fill that space and fill that hole. He doesn't necessarily have to be challenging defensively in that space on every possession by the opposition, but even if he just puts himself positionally in that space, it eliminates a space that the the, the other player can run into. Right. So it just makes it harder for them to start their attack. And I don't think, you know, we saw enough of that from Darwin kind of dropping in that hole and even just making himself in that space to make it a challenge for them to start their attack. It was just a little too easy for them to get their attack going. Another disappointing aspect of the loss in New England was the performance of Francisco Calvo as well, in my opinion. I think erratic is probably the right word to describe it. But that, that's another subject for another day. I, I think um, moving forwards, there's lots of the, the, there are lots of positives to talk about from this Minnesota United team, and we'll get to Allianz Field and whatnot a little later on as well. But what what positives, Kendra, did you take from the Revolution game? I know Angelo Rodriguez was yes. given a big thumbs up in the opening 45. Not so much in the second, mm -hmm. but his hold up play was something to behold. Well, I really enjoyed watching him in the first half. I did think he was he was the man in the match, in my opinion, because of his first half play. Nobody shined in the second half. So what he was able to do as far as change the game in the first half, I was really pleased with. I thought that his hold-up play gives this team a completely different look. And you know, he's not a flashy player going forward. He's not even going to spin off the shoulder that often in the hold-up play. He did it one or two times. Right. But the fact that he can put that big body, it's like posting up in basketball. Put himself, you know, make the ball as far away from the defender as possible. Make himself big. Hold it up until Darwin can run underneath them or somebody can make a run on the outside. You know, and I think Jamie talked about this in the broadcast, you know, kind of that up, back, and through style that Adrian Heath wants from this system. That's what Adrian can do. You go up to him, back to the central midfielder, and then maybe through to a winger making a run, whether that's Miguel Abar or Ethan Finley. So definitely, I, I thought he was a bright spot. I think he, um, has come into full fitness now. I think he, maybe he came in not totally fit mm. on the season, and I think that it just gives Minnesota United a different look. You know, you can't just go with speed every time up top, so it just gives Minnesota another option. Okay, Kendrick, for the time being, thank you. Uh, stay with us on Loons Weekly. Next up, something quite different for you.
Hello there, welcome back to Loons Weekly. Now, throughout the season, you will see myself, Kindred E. St. Aubin and Jamie Watson on our television broadcasts on Fox Sports North. You'll even hear us on the radio on Score North. But one name and voice and face that you won't hear, see or hear from at all would be our producer, Morgan Lubin. And we thought we'd do something a little different today. So, Morgan, the stage is yours. This is nice. <laughs> I feel like I should take it. Jamie should be in the truck more often, and I think I should uh, get the mic from him. But without Jamie, good luck. Right, <laughs> right. Like and Cal a, gets to talk a little more now too, because you're asking the questions. I feel like I need a walk-up song. Oh yeah. yeah. What would your walk-up song be, by the way? Now that baseball Twins are off to a hot start. Oh my gosh. What's your so walk-up song? Ones. Gosh, it might be like Thunderstruck or something. You know, something ACDC maybe. Well, I'm a North Dakota State alum, so Thunderstruck is near and dear to yeah, my heart. It's a good That's choice. our football yeah. team. Walks out. Um, Cal, would yours be Wonderwall or no? Actually, something you know British, what? of course. Uh, yes, it will actually. Uh, you will like this. It'll be Muse. Oh um, yes, that was actually <laughs> going to be my second choice. Like one A and one B. Uh, Knights of Sidonia. Oh, you, you, you know when it kicks in so when, the, when they start yes. strong. Oh my word! You just did the air guitar. No one can see that. Like I can just picture my my daughter does that in the car every time Muse on. She like, oh, does I mean, the air guitar. It's so pristine, good. Pristine, isn't it? Yes. You know, walking oh, into the word. batter's box to that. Yes, that's a good choice. I think I would be fishing in the dark by Nitty Gritty Band. Oh, gosh. Cal, do you even know what that Somebody is? Somebody else have okay. no idea what that is. Oh, okay. We'll have to play that for you. <laughs> All right. A couple questions for you. The is first that the one. you and me going fishing, fishing in the dark? dark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, classic. I never would have classic. pegged. I would not have pegged that for Morgan. Classic. <laughs> True country boy at heart. A couple questions for you. The PKs. Minnesota has three PKs, three goals on three attempts in four games. Last year, only one attempt. Mm. What is the difference that you've seen in the first four games as to what's leading to more PKs for Minnesota? Do I get the first easy answer? Sure. Yeah, you go for it. VAR is getting the calls right. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, there was how many times last year were there times in the booth? We're like, oh, we didn't say this on the air maybe, but surely this has got to be. We're hitting you on talkback. Surely this has got to be a penalty. Surely that's a handball. Surely they're going to. Nope. You know, I just feel like the maybe the VAR gods are in our favor this season. I think as well, there's just a lot more attacking intent from this team as well. Now that you have the likes mm-hmm. of Ethan Finlay and mm-hmm. uh, Ibarra's playing well, uh, Quintero started the season well. Um, there's a lot more second runners off of the ball from Rodriguez as well. So there's a lot more presence in the box, actually. And with the fullbacks maneuvering forwards, given the freedom to do so now with Ozzy Alonso playing as he is and, and holding fort as they push forward, I just think there's a lot more, more activity in the box, to be honest, mate. And... Uh, Obviously, when you're inside the opposition area, it, it causes a problem for them. Well, look at the one Calvo drew in the first game yeah. against Vancouver. I mean, you have your outside back making that run forward, and he gets completely, you know, clipped up, tripped up. So I think um, a successful system is probably the answer yeah. to your question. That was a nice tactical answer. I, I, there you go. <laughs> Cal, you mentioned some of the players, some of the players returning, like Ethan Finley coming back, uh, Molino's nearing a return. One player who kind of had a loss 2018 was Abu Dunlady. Mm. He's made an impact in the last couple of games coming off the bench as a substitute, getting behind. What have you made of Abu's play so far this year? I think he's he's given the team off the bench, as you quite rightly say, uh, a certain spark. I think he, no doubt, he, he had a little bit of an injury issue again in preseason, so I, I don't actually think he's fully fit. I don't think we're actually going to see the real Abu Dunladi for at least a couple of weeks yet as well, which is quite encouraging when you think about what he's done so far. So um, 
I like him. I'm a fan of what he does. He's, he's quick. He's raw still. He's still got a lot to learn. Um, but this is something that, that we spoke about off the air and we will talk about in the next segment as well. Is I, I wonder what Adrian Heath will do against New York Red Bulls. Will he go with the big presence of Angelo Rodriguez up against Parker and Long? Or will he go with the, the pace of Abu Dhanladi to get in behind? And me personally, I would go with Abu Dhanladi. Um and again, because I, I think that that limits the opposition backline as to what they can do. They can't move out as quick as well. You know, they're perhaps limited by a, um, a centre forward like that. They can't push as many bodies forward as they would want to. So um, it's a big year for Abu Dunladi. I mean, I, I you know, I, coming to this country, I learned the phrase sophomore slump. And I think it's safe to say Abu certainly had a sophomore slump. Um, injuries played their part. But as a player... I love watching him train. Mm-hmm. When he gets going, he's quick, he's strong, and we, we've seen some of the goals, haven't we, mm-hmm. from 2017. I'll never forget that goal at mm-hmm. Atlanta and then the goal in, in Montreal as well, you know. So if we can get that confident Abu Dunladi back for this season, I see no reason why he, he, he can't score upwards of 10 goals this year. I think the biggest word you just said right there was confidence mm. because I think he's the type of player that if he's – he doesn't want to play when he's not 100% because maybe he's not confident enough in his abilities. And I know maybe for everyone outside that may be hard to believe because when you have a player that, firstly, first of all, is that naturally athletic, like gifted. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't teach speed. You can't teach athleticism. And I think Adrian would tell you the same thing. So he works with Abu on his runs in behind, on his attacking play, because that is Adrian's specialty. If there's one, I shouldn't say if there's one thing because that makes it sound like he's the only one thing he can do. But Adrian Heath knows how to mold forwards. That is his yep. gift, is to get attackers to be the best attackers. So if Abu can stay healthy, and I know we've said this a thousand times, and get his confidence back up there, he doesn't want to even train fully when he's 85%. He's not that kind of guy. He's not a hockey player. He's not an NHLer who's going to go out there with three broken ribs and doesn't care and just give his best. He doesn't have the confidence, in my opinion, to play when he's not fully fit and healthy. And when he is... Watch out, because even if you don't see them strike the ball, you can hear them strike the ball. And even if it's at training, he can do some really special things. And let's let's all hope for the sake of Minnesota United that he stays fit and healthy. Because, again, just like you said, if he's not starting. Even if he's coming off the bench as a super sub, his spark, his energy on top of his ability and his pace. I mean, he absolutely could score 10-plus goals in an MLS season, and this is a massive year for him. He does have a certain sound when he strikes the ball absolutely. at training. It just sounds different when yes. Abu hits it compared to anybody else. Yes. Uh, Kevin Molino, also nearing a return from Minnesota United. When he is back on the field, how do you see him and Quintero working together? Oh, um, <laughs> I, I, I see it being utterly mouthwatering, if I'm yeah. being completely honest with you. I mean, you know, we saw what he had two Marino, goals and one assist in a about a game and a half to, to begin yeah. last year. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and see, the thing is as well now is obviously it presents a bit of a, a head-scratching moment for, for Adrian Heath because, for, for, let's be honest, the, the first time really since Minnesota United have come into Major League Soccer, he's got some real solid depth and... Um, I think, uh, personally, if I was Adrian, I, I would play Molino and uh, Quintero and Ibarra behind the centre forward, Miguel Ibarra, um, behind whoever the centre forward will be. Um, 
Molino is is a class act, and it's really been great to see over the last couple of weeks to see him in training, regardless of if it's been on turf or grass, mm-hmm. um, really getting stuck into some challenges mm-hmm. and um, selling a trick or two, some fancy footwork, as Molino has been known to do. And, and um, his laugh. And his I mean, laugh. he's just enjoying himself Cackle. again because yeah. <laughs> he's back playing, you know. Yeah, he's he's first class, Morgan. He really is, and and um, he did so well in that 2017 campaign with not a lot to work with mm-hmm. um, to get as many goals and assists as he did, operating in an area which we know he can play in that number ten role, but he's more suited out wide. Mm-hmm. He, he's more suited to, to linking up with a, a central attacking player, um, and we saw that in Orlando as well, and and, and he was fabulous in Orlando in Major League Soccer and. Uh, I think what it does is it, is it gives Adrian Heath a real, a real head scratching moment, and uh, and that's never a bad thing. I'm a big, big fan of Kevin Molino, mm-hmm. and I tell you what, as well, there aren't many teams in this league that wouldn't take Kevin Molino as well. So what Minnesota United are going to get is a really good player. It's going to be almost like a new signing coming back because we haven't seen him, as you mentioned, since week two of last season. Yep. So uh, excited. Really can't wait to see him on the field. Well, it's like when I was just re-watching 2017 Minnesota against Red Bulls. And I was like, there's Kevin Molino. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's been so long since we've seen him play because he only played a game and a half or whatever it was last season. Um, so it will be really fun to get him back in. And I think the other thing, too, is if he plays with those three players just behind the the, the forward, whoever that might be, they're all so interchangeable and flexible in the sense that what they can kind of take what the game gives them and go forward. So if Darwin Quintero, I mean, I think Darwin Quintero ideally will be centrally in that 10 role behind the center forward mm-hmm. and maybe Molino and Miguel just alongside of him. But we can, but Molino, if he, if he wants to, if he comes in with the ball, then Darwin can fill this. And, you know, Miguel had played 10, the role, the 10 role, a couple games last season. So those three players can be, very fluid, depending on what the game gives him. I mean, we've seen last year Darwin float out wide and find the space out wide just to kind of lose his defender, whoever's tracking him, to find the game, to find the ball, to find the space. So the beauty is you have three solid players who, you know, and especially with Molino and Darwin being able to play that 10 role and and sneak inside if they need to. And watch out when you see them combine together. I mean, that's going to be fun to watch. And we haven't gotten to see it yet, except for at training and small-sided games. But... That's going to be, those are all good problems to have if you're Adrian Heath with those kind of players coming back. Yeah, it's going to be essentially a plan finally coming together for Minnesota United from an attacking point of view. Mm -hmm. And Kendra made a good point then about, you know, Molino can tuck inside, Mm -hmm. Ibarra can tuck inside, especially when the fullbacks operate and they go either side of them as well. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if all three of those players that we're talking about all sort of interchanged. Mm -hmm throughout the the 90 minutes of yep. whenever they start together, you know, because they are capable of doing yes. that. So it, it's all possibilities moving forward for Minnesota United, Morgan, and, and look, it's, it's only exciting. You know, I will say one thing about the attacking piece for Minnesota this year. We've got some great playmakers, mm-hmm. and Kevin coming back into the fold, another playmaker. I would like to see a little more selfishness on the shooting aspect of things. I think to score goals, we just said three of them were penalties, Hard to remember, really, the other six goals in the run of play because nothing's <laughs> been crazy. But you need someone to take a shot from outside the box every once in a while. And Jan did it, has done it a couple times now. But I think every once in a while, you know, Kevin, we've seen at training. I remember one time in training recently, you know, he he had a, an, a wide-open opportunity and said chose to pass it. And it's like, take the shot. You know what I mean? You need some selfishness along amongst some of those players sometimes and not be afraid to shoot 
not have to work it all the way inside the 18 and not be always setting someone else up. Mm. And so it'll be interesting if those three are in that position where they're central behind the forward, you know, if if they find some of the goal-scoring capabilities outside the 18 again, because I, I just think that's something that Minnesota's lacked a little bit, and I think Jan is a player that can bring that when he kind of comes in behind those three, but it'll be interesting to see if that happens. So you said play Molino out wide, Cal, and then play Miguel on the other side. Of course, people listen to this, well, what do you do with Ethan Finley? What do you do with Romario Ibarra? But that's a great problem to have if you're Adrian Heath and the problem that they really haven't had the last couple of years is is too much depth. So mm. excited for Molino to come back. A couple more for you. What do you guys make about the high score lines across the league last week? Kansas City with seven, LAFC with five, Houston, Dallas, and Toronto all put up four. What do you think that says for the league? I think it says that it is as open uh, as it's ever been. Uh, I think it says it is as positive as it's ever been. I think a lot of people um, now want to play a certain brand of football as well, which is is great for the league. Let's face it, the quality is getting better and better year by year. I don't know about you guys, but I've certainly noticed even from when we started working mm-hmm. together in 2017 to now, the standard of the league has gone up a notch. Yep. Uh, there's so many fabulous players coming into this league. I think it's a good thing, Morgan. And I think as well, I, I, the 7-1 for Kansas City against Montreal, you know, what, what we should do is first of all say, you know, Montreal had one or two key players missing, but still no excuse to be conceding seven goals. I mean, it's, it was not their finest hour and a half defensively, it's safe to say. But Kansas City, you, you have to lay out the red carpet for them, yes. don't you? I mean, they were absolutely breathtaking moving forward. And the frightening thing about them is that I don't think they're the finished article yet either. I know Vermees is still looking for a centre-forward. The argument, which will go back and forth on throughout eternity, I feel, is do they need another centre-forward? Do they need a number nine? In my opinion, yes, but another argument for another day. Um, so, I I mean, look, Morgan, you, you're never, you're never going to complain about more goals, are you? That's never a bad thing. Right. That's never a bad thing. So right now, I think it's been a really, really entertaining start to the season, and and long may it continue. Well, and let's be honest, the LAFC game probably could have been seven or eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the LAFC-San Jose game. I mean, San Jose just falling apart at the seams, and some of the gifts and the things that were out there of Matias Almeida on the sideline after some of the goals that they were giving up, you know, the hands to the head. I mean, you can always make a, a coach look good or bad if you take one tiny little screenshot of them. But um, it's been it's been a fun season so far. And I know when we were looking at the Eastern Conference standings heading into our game this weekend, we even were like, my goodness, if you would have told me that the Red Bulls, NYCFC, and Atlanta United were going to be below the playoff line. Now, granted, we're only a handful of games in, but to see Atlanta at the bottom and NYCFC in 11th and the Red Bulls currently in 8th, it's just a bit of a head scratcher. It's a long season, but you know, it's, that's the beauty of this league. And I, I know people get sick of the word parody, but I love it. I love mm. the fact that this league, technically anybody could beat anybody on any given day. I mean, some random reason, you know, San Jose could come out and, you know, beat Kansas city next weekend. I know that's nice. not who they play, but I'm saying hypothetically speaking, you just never know what can happen in this league, and that's what makes it fun. And Portland is 11th in the West right now. Yes. They're in a, they were in the final. Winless. Everyone's talking about yes. Atlanta and what's going on with them. Yeah. Portland has one point through four games, and if it wasn't for a lousy San Jose team with zero points, they would be right down there at the bottom as well. If I was Seattle, I'd be nervous because you're starting off good. 
<laughs> you're in second in the West. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is, are we going to tank the second half of the season? <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think the thing is about Portland, though, Morgan, I think it might have even been you and I that were talking about this before the season started. Everybody got a year older. Liam yeah. Ridgewell went back to England and, and now yeah. plays for Hull City, and good luck to him. Um, Diego Chara yeah. is a year older, 34. Diego Valeri is a year older, 34. Both still very good players. Mm -hmm. Can they continue at the same level they've been operating over the last five years? And on the road, because they have 12 or 13 oh games. Oh, an insane exactly. amount. Exactly. And that's one thing on people need to, that they need to remember as well, is that they are starting a whole host of, um, of road games to start their season as well. So I, I do wonder if, if the way that the Sounders have, have gone about their season, where they start poorly and finish yeah. so so well, I wonder mm -hmm. if that curse makes its way down the I-5 to Portland <laughs> and, and they now have themselves a, a Sounders season, shall we say. And, you know, because they're going to have so many home games towards the latter part of the season. But have they dug themselves such a, such a big hole maybe at that time? You know? well, so I mean, many people said that about the say. Sounders, didn't they? And, yeah, and look, they went true. and won the whole thing yeah, that's <laughs> true. years that's ago. True. <laughs> uh, last one for you. And he's not here, so we can poke fun at him a little bit. When are we going to see the first bow tie from Jamie Watson on the sideline? Oh, well. I think we saw it eight or nine times last year. Um. Well, it depends. Does Circle Rock allow him to wear a bow tie with their really <laughs> yeah, nice true. suits? That's true. <laughs> How does Circle Rock feel about bow ties? We might have to ask them. That's too awesome, <laughs> won't we? Um, I, I hope it's soon so we can continue to, to prod him and make fun of him because um, whilst I always say to him, oh, yeah, you look really sharp today. may look really, really good. Really, it looks absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So <laughs> I can't wait. He hasn't wait. taken the hint that you've yet to wear a bow tie after saying that to him? I just think right. they look silly. But, hey, never mind. Where is Sue Jane, please? Yeah. <laughs> I think last year one time he went bow tie, no jacket, and suspenders. I wonder if we yeah. see that anytime soon. Um, as I said, I hope so. Um, Not if Kaylee um, has a say in it, I'm sure. Because <laughs> she has a really good sense of fashion. You know, the wife usually knows best. Yeah, well, yeah, another debate for another day. I completely agree with you, by the way. Uh, wonderful. Thank That's you, all Morgan. I got. Appreciate it. That's Morgan, our producer, the man you will never hear, never see, but we hear and see him every day. So thanks very much for that. Really appreciate it. Coming up next on Loons Weekly, we feature Minnesota United away at New York Red Bulls. Welcome back to the final installment of Loons Weekly. Minnesota United, for the final time before the opening of Allianz Field, hit the road. This time, Kindra... They're away at New York Red Bulls. Now, I've got some intriguing stats for you here because I am a nerd. I'm a commentator, and we love these kind of things. New York Red Bulls, back-to-back -back losses. First time since May 2017. However, they are 10-2 and in their last 12 MLS games at Rebel Arena. They've outscored their opponents during that time 20-5. to That is eyebrow-raising. Um... But this isn't the same New York Red Bulls that we've been used to seeing over the last several years under Jesse Marsh. What has changed about them under Chris Armas and why? You know, I think even Chris Armas himself is still trying to figure out that exact piece to the puzzle. And I know you and I were talking before we came in to record this about this Red Bull side and the changes that they've made in the starting 11, even just this first handful of the games of the season. And even their stat lines are a little deceiving. You know, the fact that they have... What is it, five goals scored 
in four games, but four of them came in one game hmm. at home. So the fact that we're not seeing goals being scored from them, I think is a little bit surprising. It's uncharacteristic, isn't it? Very uncharacteristic. And, you know, sometimes you don't realize what you had until it's gone. So when players like a Tyler Adams. Oh, massive difference. Yeah. Massive difference. You know, and they were able to kind of cover it up towards the end of last season, I think. Um, and we've seen what he's done overseas so far. I mean, absolute shout out to him and a credit to him mm. for what he's been able to do so far. But I just think that Chris Armas is trying to figure out, and even the veterans on this team, like a Luis Robles, you know, two games ago when they lost um, Orlando City, one nothing at home, he was a little more harsh in his post-game comments, like, we weren't good enough. We didn't give a, a good account of ourselves. It's got to be better. And then they lose back-to-back for the first time, as you say, May 17th or May of 2017. This one on the road, one nothing again on an own goal, basically, to Chicago. And his comments were a little softer, a little, little less harsh, but like, hey, we got to remember it's early. We're only four or five games into the season. We just got to, you know, sort this out. Mm. So I think even they themselves are kind of baffled when you have a guy like Robles who's been with Red Bulls forever and been through the ups, ups and downs and mostly ups trying to figure out their way under Chris Armis and what's going to be, what's going to be the right way. And, you know, I don't think it's that much different than what we're seeing with Frank DeBoer in Atlanta, just trying to figure it out with a new coach coming in with players that have been there. It's different problems, but at the same time, just, you know, I don't think they know what to do losing. They're mm. the supporter shield winners you know, what, what have they won at three in the last six years or something mm. like that? I mean, they don't know how to lose. They've, they've not done any anything else but win. Even though Chris Armas took over last season, I just think they're a little bit baffled right now and missing some pieces that they had last season and they didn't realize how much that might hurt. What is going to be interesting as well is the performance, if he plays, of course, of uh, Kaku. Yes, who, that's a different yeah, drama in the offseason. Yeah, he... he Played a little bit in the Champions League, but yep. the game against the Fire was his first appearance in yep. Major League Soccer this season. There were rumours, for those unaware, uh, more than rumours to, yes. to our knowledge, that Club America, the team, of course, where Darwin Quintero came from, had offered $10 million to acquire his services. Mm -hmm. That bid was turned down not once but twice by New York Red Bulls. The player got frustrated, wanted to go, mm -hmm. and here he is still in Major League Soccer. How much of... What we've seen so far, does that play into things or does it at all? I think it plays a huge piece of it. They're going to say whatever they want publicly and mentioning Luis Robles again. I mean, because they were all asked about it all preseason long. This was the story of preseason was, is he coming back? Does he want to be here? His, his agent, Kaku's agent, was out there just throwing all sorts of fire, you know, with his comments on um, wanting him to go to Club America and them turning down and how, you know, the Red Bulls weren't being professional and didn't pay for this and didn't pay for that and didn't pay for his furniture and his Uber and whatever else, you know, all these silly things. So I think that the players will say whatever they want publicly and, and same with Chris Armas. Oh, he's a professional. Kaku comes every day. He's training. He's fit. He's ready to go. Kaku, I want to be here. I'll work hard while I'm here. But we all know when you're asked those questions every single day, day in and day out, and that's the focus, and you think a player doesn't want to be there, but then they up, end up having to be there, it just can't sit well. Right. It just can't. I mean, I don't care what you say, chemistry, teamwork. You know, you can't tell me that's not in the back of players' minds and that's it. that's a feeling in the locker room when you feel like a player doesn't want to be there and they're forced to be there. And um, 
I don't know if he was he dealing with any injuries or was it purely he just hasn't been playing? Like that's, you know, we don't know the behind the scenes scoop of things, but it's shocking to me that he hasn't played more minutes if there's nothing else to it. Big fan of of their wide players, uh, Daniel Royer and Alex Muil. Yes. Um, A lot of last season they spent supplying the service to Bradley Wright Phillips, who, Mm -hmm. despite people labeling (laughs) him having a poor season last year, he still scored 20 goals. because so, everybody remembers the playoffs, right? Right. It's like the most recent thing in your brain. Correct. Yep. 34 this year, right, Phillips? Yep. I'm going to go down this road. Good. So <laughs> many people say year after year after year, right, Phillips is now 31, 32, mm-hmm. 33 mm-hmm. this year, 34. And yet here he is still with over 100 and whatever it is, goals in Major League Soccer. Yep. Never fails in front of goal. I think his worst single, his worst single season in terms of goals scored, he scored 17. When is this man going to slow down, and how do you slow him down from a Minnesota point of view? Well, let's hope he doesn't have a breakout game against Minnesota United. <laughs> because we saw what he did last year. Mm. We saw the ball in behind and the beautiful finish that he had against Minnesota United. I, I love watching Bradley Wright Phillips. And I've said this to Adrian Heath a couple times. We've had conversations with him about strikers in this league, about forwards in this league, and the different styles and, and watching different players. And being a young forward underneath a specific veteran forward like Bradley Wright Phillips and just being able to sit back and learn from him. Because Bradley mm-hmm. Wright Phillips, and you probably know better than I do, but he doesn't say a lot. No, he He's doesn't. not a big talker. He's not his dad. <laughs> Ian Wright is not opposed to being out front and center and speaking his mind and celebration or two. Bradley Wright Phillips seems very understated, very quiet, very humble. He's not the big soundbite. He's not the big interview. He's hardly even a big celebration, mm. right? Except for if he's celebrating with his teammates or, you know, giving a hug to the whoever played in the ball. He is a tough challenge because his timing of his runs is so good. Yeah. He's not the fastest player. Maybe quicker than people still give him credit for for being 34. Mm-hmm. He's not the biggest player. He's not the strongest player. He's not that tall. What is he? Uh, 5'8". So he's not a big guy. But his timing of his runs is so impeccable. And he does usually is such a great job of kind of finding the game, finding the ball, giving what the game gives him, and finding those runs in behind. What are the center backs giving you? Adrian, he talks about this, studying the opposing defenses and knowing what they're giving you every game before you even step on the field. Bradley Wright Phillips strikes me as that kind of guy, that he knows exactly what the weaknesses and strengths are mm-hmm. of the defenders he's going up against. And I just love watching his movement off the ball, away from the ball, when he doesn't have the ball, you know, just finding a way to find the game. And... um you know, off to a rough start this season for him, for his standards, but mm. the whole Red Bulls is off to a rough start. And you've probably seen a thousand more games of his than I have, so you may have a different opinion on this, but that's what I enjoy watching about him. He just goes about his business and does his work. Well, I remember seeing him in the 11-12 campaign, or at least watching from a distance, when he was playing for Charlton Athletic in the third tier in England. Mm-hmm. And he scored 22 goals and got Charlton promoted to the championship. And everybody kind of thought, right, here we go. This this is uh, the the rebirth, if you will, of Bradley Wright Phillips because he, you know, he he left Manchester City at a young age, went to Southampton, didn't really work out. He had a couple of other little spells here and there, um, and it just never really worked for him in the Championship. Then with Charlton, can I ask you though, what does the pressure do when you have your father's Ian Wright 
in your playing over there. What 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 was that like in the media and the publicity and the public? Like, was there pressure? I mean, does that change how a player plays or does or doesn't succeed? Can it go two ways when you're a son of a player like that? Well, yeah, I mean, of course it can, but I'll be honest, Kendra, he's, he's and I say this with all due respect, he's playing in the third tier of English football. Sure. There weren't a lot of eyeballs on him, at okay. least from a national yep. aspect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but after he scored the 22 goals for Charlton, as I said, he got them promoted. Um, it didn't work out. He then went on loan to, to Brentford in League One, who were playing there at the time. And then he went to New York Red Bulls, and, and everybody mm-hmm. kind of thought, right, well, that's that's it for him. Yep. You know, he's yep. um, he's not gonna gonna play at a high level, and said all sorts of, of crazy things. And then all of a sudden, he he breaks out and and scores all these goals in Major League Soccer. I, I am a big believer of that. Sometimes players develop later than others. I actually think if Wright Phillips, sometimes a player needs a move, right? Yep. Sometimes you need a completely new, fresh scene. Yep. He got mm-hmm. that in New York, got a new lifestyle. Yep. Um, I do wonder, though, if he went back to England, I, I honestly think he, and I'm saying championship level, mm-hmm. even towards the, the lower lower end of the Premier League, I think he would have scored goals. Mm-hmm. I really do. He, if he was given the service and played it in, in the fluid style that New York Red Bulls do. Mm-hmm. But... Um, He's, I'll be honest, he's one of the players, him and Sean Wright Phillips, his brother, actually. Yes. Who played with the Red Bulls for a bit. Uh, briefly, yes. Um, <laughs> finished his career at Phoenix Rising then. But um, he, uh, even when he was, I mean, because Sean hit the heights. He yeah. was at Chelsea and Manchester yeah. City and, and won league titles and everything, you know. He he was fabulous in his day and, and had many a cap for England, went to the World Cup with them and everything. But with both of them, you, you never got the sense that this is Ian Wright's son because really? maybe, maybe because of of their slightly mellow nature. Sure. I don't know, but sure. regardless, um, big fan of of Brandy Wright Phillips, yeah. and I think Minnesota United defensively have really got to be on their game if they're going to get away from him. What um, do you think? What do you think he his strength is? You just talked about his goal scoring abilities and how he did it at different levels. I mean, what do you think is his strength as a forward? Off the ball movement, yeah, w- without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. There's been so many goals that he's scored where he's gotten the half a yard in front yeah. of the centre half, um, whether the ball's been coming from out wide or mm-hmm. uh, wherever, you know, certain angles. And, and I think because he, you're right, he's quicker than people give him credit for. Um, he toes the line magnificently. Yes. Um, I, I'm a big fan of him. I really like him. Um, and I don't care that he's 34. Mm-hmm. I still think he's going to get... 17, 18 goals this year, you know? And mm-hmm. and look, I know a lot of that is because of the service that he'll undoubtedly say, get. I they're missing the service then? Well, I think a lot of it comes from from Kaku as well. Yeah. Is Kaku invested in this Red Bulls project? Mm-hmm. Is there going to be enough service coming from the centre of midfield? But regardless if there is or not, I think with the service from Roya and Wheel this year, yeah. he's still more than capable. Yeah. He really, really is. I have no doubt about it. Let's hope he doesn't have a good afternoon, yes. good evening. <laughs> This coming week. Now we're getting a team off coming off their back to back losses since twenty seventeen and struggling and probably been also, you know, put to the fire all week. Yeah. Well let's uh <laughs> let's go from from one front line to another, shall we? Because we, we spoke about this briefly in the first segment. Um the one area that I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Minnesota United on Saturday is what Adrian Heath goes with. Does mm-hmm. he go with the big burly presence mm-hmm. of Angelo Rodriguez to go up against, for, for me, one of, if not the best central defensive yes. duo in Major League Soccer in Aaron Long and Tim Parker? Does he go with the big presence of Rodriguez? Or, in your opinion, does he go with the pace of somebody like Abu Dunlali to get in behind? I would rather go with the pace to get in behind 
I think if you use the pace of a boot and Lottie and get an early goal, I think that is really important. And I just see that less likely happening with hold up play from Angela Rodriguez in this particular case with those two center backs that you just talked about. Mm. Um, I, I would rather go with pace and get in behind. I just think, especially depending on if, if, you know, you can kind of, I don't want to say end start the game like you end in New England because New England was such a poor game, but I mean more in the tacking pieces. If you can have Miguel Abar out there or Ethan Finley, Abu Dinladi, you know, we've got Romario Abar hopefully back in the fold, you know, depending on how he's come back into training this week. So I just think if you can get the pace in behind and have enough tacking pieces that they have their hands full defensively and then their fullbacks can't get forward and get into the attack. And again, mm-hmm. we go to back and forth about this winning the outside wing back battle and who's putting on the pressure forces the other team to kind of stay home. We lost it in the LA galaxy in the first half. We lost that battle and we saw what that did. Roma Metanera and Francisco Calvo did not make any runs forward. There was no attacking pieces from them. So if Minnesota can use the pace up top, get your wing backs a little bit forward, use that speed, get an early goal. I just think that that is, that is, that is going to be important to me, but it's all going to depend on the week of training, the health of the players, who's fit and ready to go, who's who's even traveling, making the 18 this week. Rasmus right. Schuler is back in the fold a bit at training. So all these things kind of TBD, but I think I would like to go with the pace and the speed and get an early goal and test that back line and force them to stay home and a little deeper. There's an argument for either, especially from a Rodriguez point of view as well, if, if Minnesota were to be a little more direct and play it into his path, his hold-up play, yes. then... Uh, naturally attracts bodies and you can then you would hope very easily or much easily uh, find uh, Darwin Quintero who yes. you would imagine then will be able to slip yeah. it through. Those are all good good options, right? right? And fine. it just gives you a completely different look. And then if you still have the pace of the wingers, so like, you know, the early on in, in the New England game, you've got Angela holding play, dropping it back to Darwin, then up back and through, and then the wingers using the pace to get in behind. Exactly. Good, good choices, good options, just depends on what, you know, kind of look Adrian Heath is going for. And defensively, what are you doing when you're preoccupied with Will and um, and of course Bradley Wright Phillips and you know Royer and everybody? Royer, yeah, yes. no, it's is. But Haku, I, if he's in, I, exactly. But to go back to the the forward issue I, or the not an issue, the the possibilities, I think is the right word to say there. But I I do wonder because the fullbacks they they do press for New York Red Bulls. Yes, and as I said, I understand the Rodriguez um, inclusion if he indeed does, as we mentioned, Quintero then will hopefully find um, an overlapping uh, either fullback or a wide player to get in behind yes. um, the uh, the fullbacks of, of New York Rebels. But also at the same time, I can understand Abu Dunladi because he can certainly stretch with his pace. Yes. Then you can find the wide players again as well. Um, it, it, it's a really intriguing one. And also as well, I think what, the, what having somebody like Abu Dunladi in his role, he should press as yep. well. Yep. That limits how many mm-hmm. bodies you can put forward. Now, now, I know, as I said, the fullbacks do go forward for the Red Bulls, and you know they don't really have a. They have a six. They have Davis who drops back and, and dictates, but he's not as he won't sit in between the two centre backs. Yep. And I, and I do wonder if playing Abu Dunladi is a little more troublesome for the Red Bulls backline rather than Angelo Rodriguez this time. And I'm not saying that that Rodriguez was poor last game. I I think purely from a tactical point of view, it wouldn't surprise me if Abu Dunladi started, but. We'll wait and see. And a lot of it, too, just depends on Abu and Lottie and his timing of his runs. I mean, especially if he's starting centrally rather than out wide. I mean, that's the biggest one of the biggest issues with me with him is just 
developing those runs, the timing of the runs, not being in an offside position, being aware of where that back line is, riding the back line, exactly what Bradley Wright Phillips, all the things he does right. Mm. That's what we need a Budenlani to do, basically. Just now he's got the pace also to get in behind, but just being aware of his surroundings. So, yeah, you can keep playing the long ball over the top and trying to find him with the, spa- the, the speed, but if he's offside nine times out of ten, Adrian Hare- Heath is not going to have any hair left at the end of the game. Because it drives him nuts when a Budenlani <laughs> is in an offside position and doesn't time that run well. Do you know what Budenlani would do himself? No harm at all if he watched some tape on Bradley Wright Phillips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately for him, he doesn't have a forward sitting in front of him that is a, is like him that he can watch and learn from. Mm. You know, I mean, it's just it's just not the way this team specifically is built. So if I'm whoever is on, you know, Red Bull's roster, sitting underneath Bradley Wright Phillips, you better be just sitting there watching film of him. Or if you're on the bench, Watch exactly what he does and learn from it. He doesn't, he doesn't have to say a word to you. Just watch him and learn. Right, before we go, predictions, as always. Uh, Morgan, you can put your fader up here because I'd like to get your prediction as I well. I was so off last week. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think this week then, Kendra? Oh, man. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2-2 two, two draw. Really? Snap. I am. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I... One one just sounds lame, so I'm gonna go. I mean, no offense if you were gonna say one one. No, no. But I'm gonna go two two draw because I think Minnesota is gonna maybe get an early early goal, but I just think they're gonna be hard to contain. If we could come away with the point in this game on the road, it would be huge. It's it's a win in my eyes if you can come away with the draw on this on this one. Completely agree. Two two in my opinion as well. And heading into Allianz Field with seven points from five yes. road games would be a really good return for Minnesota United. Morgan, what do you think? So I agree with the draw. I'm going to go nil-nil. Whoa. I think... Another uh, shutout for Minnesota United. Well, you look at that, the center-back pairing of New York Red Bulls. You mm-hmm. guys talked about that. They're fantastic. I think Minnesota, to counter that, I think Adrian's just going to pack it in. Pack it in, keep six, seven guys behind the ball at all times. And I, th- I think it's nil-nil. I, think we're gonna, I don't know when the last nil-nil draw for Minnesota United was. Long time ago. <laughs> well, we just had our first draw in like forever. I mean, us three. I mean, our first shutout right. since May 28th or whatever. So, nil, us three nil. go to every game. And Has I, that ever and happened? I can't remember a nil nil. We had a 0 0 draw. I mean, I we, know this is terrible that I can't remember this. But. Well, I, was I, it a Houston game? I, I just say, I remember oh, a Houston gosh. home game where it was nil nil. Really? Was yeah. the final? That was 2017. I think so, and it was at TCF. Yes. We've also drawn against Houston on the road one time. That was like 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I think that we was 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. So I think Houston at home that was Bobby in 2017 was 0-0. We might get that this Saturday. Well, let's hope that So uh, we're all picking be... a draw. <laughs> we got that going for us. We'll see. Really going out on a limb. <laughs> Intertwined, aren't we? I yeah. went out on a limb last week, and look what that got me. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, Morgan. Thank you very much for your contributions today. We may very well do that again. Uh, Kindred D. St. Albin, as always, thank you very much indeed. And thanks to you for listening as well. Minnesota United, of course, hit the road this weekend away to New York Red Bulls. We get underway, Morgan, I believe, at 6 p.m. Fox Sports North. It'll be five, 5.30 coverage starts on Fox Sports North and Score North here in Minnesota. 5.30 local time. We're in New York, so we're 6.30 That's Eastern right. time. 6.30 Eastern time for us, uh, but 5.30 back here in Minnesota. I'm foreign, forgive me. <laughs> That's why you're a producer, getting all the numbers right. Wonderful. Uh, as always, uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.